Welcome everyone to podcast number 83. My name is Kermit Whittle and I am one of the co-hosts for this evening's podcast. I am from Newfoundland, Canada and have lived on Algonquin territory as a guest for over 24 years. I am a Mi'kmaq Irish visual artist, educator, musician, songwriter, independent filmmaker, and I work out of my studio in Ottawa, Ontario, as a community outreach and indigenous liaison. First, we'll begin podcast number 83 with a traditional land acknowledgement and a drumming song performed by our special guest, Doreen Stevens. Doreen is an Algonquin artist from Kitigunzibi, Quebec. Welcome, Doreen. Ami, bonjour. Welcome to the territory of the Algonquin unceded land. My name is Doreen Stevens. My spirit name is Clear Water Woman, speaking from the heart. Anamatagasek Odayim. Kitiganzibi, Dodem Nedonjipa. Welcome to the acknowledgement of the four sacred times, the four elements, the earth, the air, the fire, the water, the four sacred plants, the sweet grass, the sage, the cedar, the tobacco, the four cardinals, the north, the south, the east, the west, the balance of the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional. And in those four directions, we always talk about Nibi, the water, the sacred water, the blood life of Mother Earth, representing by the color red, Misqua, Nibi, Misqui, the blood life of Mother Earth, always flowing, ever flowing with her energy in representation of the fertility, renewal of the spirit of the earth. Welcome. Thank you, Doreen, for such a welcoming opening. We're very, very happy to have Doreen with us tonight on this podcast, and you'll be hearing from Doreen um, a little later. This is the pilot episode for podcast number 83, so we'd like to introduce ourselves and tell you where we want to go with this podcast. Podcast number 83 is based on a call to action, number 83 of the TRC Truth and Reconciliation Recommendations, which state, we call upon the Canada Council for the Arts to establish as a funding priority a strategy for Indigenous and non-Indigenous artists to undertake collaborative projects and produce works that contribute to the reconciliation process. This podcast is an example of such a collaboration. I'd like to introduce the co-host that uh, will be on tonight and offering some of their poetry, music. There'll be a conversation amongst four of us, really, uh, with Doreen also um, staying uh, with us. Doreen will come back uh, and share some of her stories our co-hosts tonight are Patsy Griffin from the Thunderbird Sisters Collective. Uh, Patsy is Métis from Ontario. Uh, I'd also like to invite uh, Rob Snicker, our other co-host tonight, to tell a bit about himself and his art and what he works on. And um, 
Rob started up the project, the Off-White Project, and I'm sure Rob will speak to us about those areas um, that he's been doing over the last while. During this podcast, you will hear from uh, the Four Directions Poetry Corner, hosted by uh, Patsy Griffin and myself, and Rob Snicker will host the Settlers Corner. We would like to share that uh, due to COVID restrictions on gatherings and problems with distant recording environments, some technical issues have affected the sound quality of parts of this recorded podcast. And let's hear from our co-host, Patsy Griffin and Rob Snicker. Thank you, Carm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to podcast number 83. My name is Patsy Griffin born in Ottawa in the middle of political madness. I am Ontario Métis. I am a special blend of many bloodlines, and I always call upon my ancestors, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, to guide me. And they do. I do believe that they brought me here today. I met Carmen Robb in 2019. Uh, Carmen and I, uh, at that time, organized a very successful event the No Borders Art Festival with no funding. It can be difficult uh, to get funding for projects such as this uh, event uh, that included Indigenous and non-Indigenous artists. Working together, we just don't fit in any box or category. But we managed and everyone had a great time. Because of COVID, the 2020 festival went on Zoom and it was another success story. I love to write. I love to play with words. Words to me are sort of like beads rolling off the table, bouncing across the floor, scattered, until they are all strung together to create something beautiful, sometimes even magical. On the podcast, I will host the Four Directions Poetry Corner, where I will read some of my poetry as well as some very special guest poets, so stay tuned for that. My poetry mainly comes from my heart and is influenced by nature and nurture. By that I mean it's influenced by all the beauty and love around me. The land, the water, Mother Earth, all seem to speak to me, and I've found a voice in me. And now I'd like to share one of my poems with you. It's called Words. Words. It's all about words. The poets know. Sacred. We write them. We hear them. We speak them. We feel them. It's all about words. Did you mean them? Did you blurt some? Did you hurt some? It's all about words. Did you speak up? Did you stand by? Did you suffer in silence? It's all about words. From your very first word, was it mama? Was it papa? To your very last word, was it mama? Was it papa? It's all about words. Thank you, Patsy, for that beautiful poem. We are honored and uh, would like to welcome tonight another amazing poet, Albert Dumont. Albert is an Algonquian, 
a spiritual advisor, poet, storyteller, speaker, traditional teacher, activist. He has published six books of poetry and short stories and was given the Human Rights Award uh, from the Public Service Alliance of Canada. Albert is from Kittigan Zibi, and we had a chance to sit down with Albert by the river, and he shared with us uh, one of his poems and stories. And you'll hear more from Albert as we move through the podcast, because he so uh, generously uh, shared uh, more stories, and, and we think you, that the listeners would love to hear more from uh, Mr. Dumont. This poem is uh, special. Albert shared that he wrote the poem uh, once he had heard we were doing podcast number 83. And before we get to the poem, Albert will share with us a little bit about his background and where he's coming from. And let's have a listen. Welcome yeah. to the Four Directions Poetry Corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you'd like to tell the people a little about yourself before you read your poem. Okay. Well, I was born in 1950. Uh, my grandfather was uh, Samson Kamanda, but he took the name Dumont when he was a young man. And uh, I believe anyway that he did so because he was very devout uh, Catholic. And I believe he wanted it uh, to, to have a more Christian sounding name. And he was also ambitious. And uh, and I, I believe that he believed that he could get acquire more uh, jobs if he had the name Dumont as, as opposed to the name Commanda. On my reserve, there's Commandas and there's Commandas. If you've ever heard of William Commanda, okay, that, that's different than Commanda. And then there's Commandants and Commandos as well. There. Uh, anyway, we have, uh, we have, uh, that's the, uh, the thing, and uh, so I've also been recognized as a as a spiritual advisor and a human rights activist. My human rights activism began uh, in 1993, and I've uh, uh, become known as a spiritual advisor, let's say in the last uh, 15, maybe 17 years. And I don't mind that, you know, because uh, I've been involved in a lot of ceremonies. You know, the fasting ceremony, I believe, is the greatest ceremony a human being could do. You want know, to go in the forest and mark out a circle and sit in the center of the circle and, uh, and contemplate something about life for, for whatever amount of time without food and water. So I've, I've gone many times for, uh, without food and water for four days and four nights. Uh, I don't do that anymore. It, it's too uh, it's too hard on me now, as because I have suffer a chronic back pain from a bad construction accident, and I just can't stand at the, the, the physical uh, pain of, of laying on the ground, you know, at night. And uh, it's uh, just, but but I do go sometimes for 12, for forty eight hours or sixty hours, you know, it depends, whatever. But at least at least a couple of days. Okay. And, uh, I, I fast during the uh, flower moon, which is in May or during the, the moon of the falling leaves, which is in October. But that's, you know, the, you fast in the, in the springtime before the bug season starts, or you fast in the autumn time after the bug season is gone. Clever. Because right. <laughs> right. you don't kill anything when you're fasting. You're not there to right. kill anything. You're not yeah. there to take life. You're there to respect and honor life. So, mm-hmm. 
get off your fasting. They have, like I've dealt with thousands of, seem like thousands of black flies around me before, and, and I just let them do what they do. It's, it's not real pain, you know what I mean? It's real pain, it's emotional pain, and that's, and that's what I understand. That's a little bit about me anyways. And you just wrote this poem recently? I just wrote it whenever you guys contacted me oh, uh, nice. with that. So this is uh, an original poem that hasn't been published yet. Sir John A. MacDonald by Albert Dumont We, the Anishinaabe, search the lifeless eyes of the many portraits proudly painted for Canada to honor a man Canadians believe was an emblem for decency, righteousness, and vision. A hero, they say, a nation builder. But the first peoples look upon the face of Sir John A. MacDonald and see the curse responsible for the deaths of thousands of our children. We see in MacDonald a man who saw in the whiteness of his skin a human being equal to God, who believed his soul would never be in need of cleansing, and that the goodness offered daily on Turtle Island by the ever-present good spirit who teaches us that no human being is greater than any other, were teachings MacDonald accepted as only created for people lesser than men such as himself. We look at the evil MacDonald placed into the Indian Act and the other oppressive actions perpetrated by him against us and ask ourselves when in meditation if the wailing spirits of the thousands of indigenous children who died in MacDonald's residential schools held sacred counsel with him in the eternal sky where true justice sears the soul of the guilty after the scalding breath of death stopped forevermore the beating of MacDonald's spiritually hollow heart. With ceremonial tobacco by our side, we ask, did MacDonald's tears flow like the spring waters of the Ottawa when the children who died in his residential schools recounted to him the last torturous hours of their lives, away from culture, family, and the unconditional love of a caring human being who could hold their hand at the moment their last breath silently took them back to the peaceful waters of their ancestral lands. For thousands of years since our creation story was first told, we called ourselves the first peoples, the people, and the human beings. But to MacDonald's parliament, we were only savages, not worthy of receiving their respect and honor. Sir John A. MacDonald, a hero to the royals of Britain, Sir John A. MacDonald, who sacrificed his soul so that the people of Canada would see him always as the greatest of all men. Where does he find himself today? What words of contrition does he relay in that empty place where for him the darkness of a stormy night will never yield to a calm and reassuring dawn?
Oh, but what if it had been you, the people of European ancestry, who were the first human beings of Turtle Island, and here you lived and thrived for thousands of years until one day bronze-skinned people arrived on your welcoming and generous shores. Oh, but what if the newcomers brought with them to your tranquil and sacred lands ancient wars from their former homeland and laid before you countless pandemics of vile disease? And through the power of generations of your oppression could control even your very thoughts, making you believe that the light of God was for them always present, even guiding their cruel deeds against you. Imagine now that today a dark-skinned man was being praised for destroying all that Creator gave to you with bronze-skinned people believing he was a noble leader who built a great and fair nation where yours once stood. Would you join in singing an honor song in his memory? Or would you fight with all the strength of the sun to pull his portraits and statues down? Whenever people say that residential schools weren't all that bad, let me tell you, at the time of McDonald, it was nothing worse. Thousands of children were really dying in the residential schools. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever Dr. Peter, Peter Bryce brought it to the attention of, of John A. McDonald's parliament, they fired him. Because at, and, uh, when, when they became aware that thousands of children were dying, it's not like they said, oh my goodness, uh, plan A is failing, let us go to plan B. There was no plan no. B, that plan A no. was it. Kill yeah. the Indian in the child or, or let the child die. One way or the other, the Indian problem is not going to exist anymore. I wrote a children's story one time about the first act of bullying. It has to do with, it's just a story from from my imagination. Eh? Right, right. Yeah. But, it, but it tells, it's about the, about the turtle before it had a shell. And, and, oh. and about this bird that had really long legs and a really long beak and it was really beautiful and it loved to eat fish and every day we'd go to the lake to fish and we'd see the turtle there but before going in to fish that, that bird would peck and the turtle tormented and the turtle would say please please stop you're hurting me and all that bird did was laugh and we'd go in and fish and one day when he went down to the to the to the, to the lake to fish, the little creature was there, and the 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 the, uh, the bird started to peck at it, but with no effect. And then the bird said, "What's going on here?" Then the bird realized that, that uh, this creature had a shell now to protect it, and uh, a key, the spirit of the land, and given it to protect itself from this. Bully. So the, the bird was, well, that's what, what, what has happened here. Anyways, the bird went to go into the into the water to fish and discovered that he didn't he didn't have these long legs anymore. And and his beak was a lot shorter than, than, than ever. And so he, he couldn't go in to fish, but he was hungry and had to eat something. Right. So even though he loved the taste of fish, he had to eat something to survive to it. It went after bugs on a tree and became the world's first woodpecker. 
But uh, so that's the, uh, the the story of the, how the turtle came to be and how the woodpecker came to be. Wow. Chimigwech, Will Allen, Albert will be back with uh, some stories, poetry in the upcoming podcast in the next while. So please stay tuned. If you want more information and to know more about uh, Albert Dumont, please go to Albert's website, albertdumont.com. And now Carm will perform one of her original songs. It's called How Do You Sleep? How you gonna explain this one away? How'd you get under the gun? How'd you get into the fold? Who taught you everything you know? How do you sleep at night? How do you sleep at night? How do you sleep at night? Under your holy
Thank you for the beautiful song, Carm. It's one of my favorites. Hope you enjoyed Four Directions Poetry Corner. And again, we'd like to thank our special guest, Albert Dumont, for joining us. Next week, our guest poet will be David Grew. See you then. And now I'd like to turn it over to Rob Snicker over there in Settler's Corner. Thanks, Patsy. Hi. In a moment, you're going to hear the first installment of Settler's Corner. Uh, But before that, I'd like to offer a short poem. Whose blood? Whose soil? This land, mainly empty but full of riches. I never worked hard. Not like the coolie. Not like the cane cutter, not hard like my mom and dad, but so much came to me by default. I am grateful. I know I was born lucky, only poor in a Toronto way. My parents toiled too, much harder than me. They also had some advantage over others by their accident of birth and the color of their skin. There were the better off, and the worse off. When you think of these things in personal terms, it's easy to see hardships. In those terms, my parents did not create the state that they were born into any more than anyone else. But how many bullets and bombs, mines and plantations in distant lands laid the foundation for me? How many atrocities here paved our way of life. Welcome to Settler's Corner. Hi, I'm Rob Snicker, a.k.a. The Unknown Settler. And in Settler's Corner, we will be interviewing non-Indigenous artists and asking their views on issues of colonization, colonial thinking, and truth and reconciliation, as well as white privilege. But for today's uh, pilot broadcast, the three co-hosts will be discussing these issues this one time only. Here at Settler's Corner, where we drop the puck on colonial thinking and white privilege, we would like to uh, ask all of our guests on Settler's Corner uh, these two persistent and cheeky questions. How white do you think you are? And how white do you think? I gotta, I gotta try to handle both of them in my own way, but you know, this is a safe space. This is a sensitive issue, but I could say, yeah, in a lot of ways, I'm very white. Uh, I'm from Finnish parents. Uh, I look very white. But then when you look at that again, what is this whole idea? What is whiteness? Okay, the Finns at one time were not considered that white by Swedes, or certainly when they moved to North America in New York City. They were not as white as the English or the Scottish. You know, I have friends who were Irish. They were not considered as white as some others, or my Italian and Portuguese friends. So I guess this definition of whiteness is a, a concept that shifts in time 
to exercise different kind of power over other people. So how white am I? I'm pretty white in a lot of ways, but at other times, maybe my lineage wasn't quite so white. How white do I think? Well, I guess I've been trained to think in a lot of ways and sort of two value binary logic and, you know, kind of arguments that are adversarial, like our court system. And, you know, I've been trained in some science and mathematics. But I also have some other knowledge, you know, from storytelling and looking at cultures. And I have experiential knowledge of other people to look at things a little differently. So, yeah, I guess I think pretty white, but I guess I try to expand my mind to think in ways that are less, uh, you know, ethnocentric in that way. And that's why I'm trying to learn from good friends like like you guys and through this project to expand my way of thinking and expand my way of listening better. So that's those are two hard questions, but that's my attempt. Why, why don't I throw it back at you, Carmel, and ask you the same two questions? Hey, thanks, Rob. Um, how white do I think I am? Well, one of the issues of being white-skinned and having a privilege is that I'm not that happy about it. I don't find it a privilege and can move through most areas of my life because of this color. But that changes when I identify what is behind the color. That's where the conflicts begin. And Rob, you should know this well because of the Off-White Project, where you deal with being a white male and having to confront some of the conflict around what you're going through uh, this conflict as a white male, having the most privilege one can have, and you are confronted with resistance and strain of talking about white privilege. You can imagine the strain for indigenous and BIPOC discourse about white privilege. Bottom line, we need non-indigenous people to start standing up and saying this racism is unacceptable. How white do I think? Well, I experience whiteness from the position of never being in a position of power, never experienced any form of justice, surrounded by many, many people who were white-skinned. There was a definite uh, hierarchy of whites, and my experience as a white person was at the bottom end of the scale. Um, there was only one reserve on the island, and the government continued as they had since 1949, to say there were no other Indians on the island. So I grew up where there was a lot of shame, not only about being poor, but also about not being the same. Not allowed to talk about any other aspect of identity, and that includes being native and being gay. I'm grateful that the thinking, white thinking, was not a prominent part of my being until I got into the establishments, the institutions, where, where you know, they, they told me that white is how you have to think. If you're going to be anyone, you have to think the way we think. I think I have resisted and pushed away white thinking all of my life. I didn't know it was white thinking because I was surrounded by white people. But I did see all the levels of injustice, depending on where one ended up on that scale. I wonder if you would uh, ask our wonderful co-host, uh, Patsy Griffin, those two questions and let's uh, let her share some of her feelings. How white do you think you are and how white do you think? How white do I think? Well, I don't think white at all. My skin is white. 
but I don't feel white on the inside. I am Métis, I am Indigenous, and that is my outlook on life. Uh, I have to say, maybe a couple of generations before me in the family, there was a lot of shame about being an Indian. And um, I think my mother was uh, a strong influence in the family, as some would even deny it today or be embarrassed to say it because they were so you know, criticized or teased or, you know, the the black sheep uh, of the family. But uh, my mother stepped up and uh, reclaimed it for us. And not everybody, even in my family, would, uh, you know, step up. Well, they might if I asked them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh yeah, I guess uh, when my mom passed five years ago, I just saw that if I didn't step up, I would lose everything uh, that uh, she brought back. And uh, so I follow the sacred path. And um, I mean, her family line, uh, I can trace it back 12 generations to the first French person who came to Canada back like in 1650 and uh, settled somewhere on the coast, east coast of New Brunswick and uh, hooked up with a Mi'kmaq woman. And that's how my line started. And through it, there's many different uh, people uh, who from different uh, groups, the Mi'kmaq, Nipissing, from Oka, just there's a long line of people and of voyagers. Uh, it's actually a wonderful story and one day I might tell everyone. <laughs> but you know, and but I know there's people out there who uh, criticize people like me because of my white skin and I'm not always accepted. Uh, but uh, Hey, I'm strong like my mother, so I'm here and I'm here to stay. And I think that's all I'm going to say about that right now. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for that. And I know both of, both of you guys are really strong. And this is, this, is a, this is a little conversation that tests our trust and our strength. With Settler's Corner, we hope to create a safe space where non-Indigenous artists can be invited as guests to self-reflect on white privilege and uh, open discussions on colonial thinking and history, and perhaps then spawn new collaborations between Indigenous and non-Indigenous artists and create a continued dialogue and learning on these issues. That buzzer indicates the end of this episode of Settler's Corner. Here at Settler's Corner, we offer settler conversion therapy, decolonizing one settler at a time. Next time we drop the puck on Settler's Corner, we'll be facing off with Charles C. Smith. Thank you for joining us, and come back soon. Thank you, Rob, for hosting Settler's Corner. I think we can uh, look forward to more discussion about those two questions with others in the community in our next podcast.
as a, as earlier promised uh, that we'd have Doreen uh, Stevens come back and uh, maybe Doreen uh, you could uh, share a little bit with us about uh, number 83 from the TRC Truth and Reconciliation uh, Recommendations the, 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 the wisdom comes to us in our dreams as we say yeah. because our creative time in the four times a day, like you wake up with the gratitude of acknowledgement for living on the land mm-hmm. without the sun, we say, or the, our grandfather, then you no longer exist because we live like the seed of the plant lives. And everything that we want to retract to learn that was taken away from us, we have to pull it back and then and then rephrase that. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, uh, people have changed their ways and their attitudes, so... It's, it's uh, you know, like children and youth and stuff like that. We have to relearn to regrow it. It's just almost like as if we have to sprout a new seed on it or, or else acknowledge ourselves on a different level because we're, we're adapting to society so fast, you know? And uh, we have to relive 500 years minus, you know, like minus 500 years of, of uh, you know, we have to relive that, that youth. And we are all youthful people because we are just awakening, right? Right. So that's right. What, that's what it reminds me of. We right. are young, mm-hmm. and we are very young uh, people because mm-hmm. uh, we have not lived, uh, you know, in in the in the era of the history of very very old old culture. Where a culture is old, yes, it's uh, it's very ancient. I mean, we have stories from the star people. Right. We go to the star lodges, we go to the horse lodge, the sun dance, you know, the ceremonies, the pipe ceremonies, we give homage to uh, all the elders that are new in our territories that are helping us to find out who we are. But it's up to us to acknowledge that as an artist. Am I going to take that on or am I not going to take that on? And also, if you're talking about truth and reconciliation, then uh, as an example, Canada Council, well, they should acknowledge who we are at first, and actually they should really be sitting there listening to who we are as a people because we're there, uh, in not because they're, we're, they're, we're immersing ourselves in their, uh, their culture, but they're, they are immersing themselves onto the movement of the land, so mm-hmm. it has to go hand in hand with it, with each other. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have to enhance each other's uh, um, abilities to cooperate together. And enhancing means blending in together uh, in a perfect way, or um, creating something new from a different perspective, mm-hmm. because the old was there before and. Than you was there because you know when we talk about uh, how we develop our, as a society, we, we live 365 days a year. We have four times a day: the morning when you wake up, the noon hour, the nighttime when we sleep, and that's the creative time for the woman. That's the dream time. And if you believe in your dreams as a as a people, then you acknowledge who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And then when you take those those dreams and you put them on a piece of paper. And then you start to, to, to uh, you know, convey uh, what your desires are and in, in, uh, in living in a society. Then mm-hmm. I think that people have to really pay attention to who that is. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're not, you're tarnishing the spirit. 
Thank you, Doreen, for sharing with us. And as we had mentioned, um, Doreen will be uh, back with us in uh, our upcoming uh, episodes of podcast number 83. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our special guest who joined us on this podcast, uh, um, Albert Dumont. Uh, thank you, uh, Albert, with his powerful poem, Sir John A. MacDonald. Also, I'd like to thank Doreen Stevens and Just Voices for joining uh, Doreen, um, the Thunderbird Circle, and the Elizabeth Riley Band, Patricia Reynolds, Jen Gilbert, and myself on How Do You Sleep. We want to thank the Canada Council for the Arts and CBC Radio uh, for their support in um, our first digital um, original podcast. You can find us on your podcast platforms, podcast number 83. We'll be returning in a week with very interesting guests. Doreen will be back uh, with more conversation and, of course, Settler's Corner. We hope you join us in the future. Please, um, we would love to get your feedback. Be sure to drop us a line. Um, our email address, podcast83 at hotmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, um, and you can find more information on the No Borders Art Festival page, podcast number 83. Thank you for joining us. Chimi Gwech, Will Allen. We will be bringing you more episodes of podcast number 83 in the next following weeks.